Live from the meantime in Austin, Texas, this is the Sandlot Revolution Podcast. This is what a Rambler sounds like. Delicious sparkling water made with our limestone mineral blend. This is what a Rambler sounds like. Because Rambler gives back to the environment. Ramblers do it better. Visit RamblerSparklingWater.com to learn more. Hello, Sandlot fans. This week we've got Ben Montalbano of the Nashville Dollies talking with Kevin Smith of the Oakland A's. They talk college baseball, Sandlot moments in the big leagues, and the future of baseball. This is Sandlot. All right, what's up, everyone? Uh, this is Ben Montalbano from the Nashville Dollies, guest host for the Sandlot Revolution podcast today. And I'm super stoked to be having uh, Kevin Smith from the Oakland Athletics joining me. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Ben? How you doing, man? I'm good, dude. Thanks so much for being on. Uh, Kevin is good friends with one of uh, the Nashville Dolly's own third baseman, shortstop, center fielder, occasional catcher, closer, Jordan Walker. Um, so, Kevin, you want to tell me a little bit about how you uh, and Jordan met? Yeah, man. I was uh, I trained in Nashville in the offseason. Um, me and my wife would go out there for – you know, probably five years or so. And, and every year it kind of got longer and longer. So the first year was just kind of for a week. And then all of a sudden, you know, we bought a house there. We were living there. So, um, you know, we love Nashville. She loved Nashville. Um, I had a bunch of friends that trained there. So we all trained together. Um, we were just looking for something to do one night. We went down to the listening room and, uh, you know, unfortunately Jordan was playing. So we had to, you know, sit through a, a full Jordan Walker show, which is kind of tough to do sometimes. But <laughs> Um, no, man, he was awesome. He was, he was hilarious. I, I ended up following him in, on Instagram just cause I wanted to see, you know, his new music that was coming out. Um, I'm a big, just music nut in general, as far as like, I love, you know, videos of guys in the studio, how songs are made, just all that stuff interests me just cause I know how much time goes into it. Um, so I started following him. We just started, you know, kind of talking shit back and forth online and, um, end up meeting a few times in person and then, you know, all right, this is a funny story I never told you, too. Yeah. So uh, Taylor, my wife, ended up just loving him, you know, like how, how funny he is, like how he gets the crowd involved, you know, his songs. Um, you can so, imagine he's like on a baseball field, on a sandlot right, baseball field. Right, right, right. And, and so he, uh, <laughs> so I, I DM'd him because Taylor, I asked Taylor one day, I said, um, what's like one thing, we're getting married in the next year. And so I said, like, what's one thing you'd love at your wedding if if you couldn't have anything else, you know? And she was like, man, I really want Jordan Walker to play at the wedding. Like, I think he'd be a great, like, cocktail guy, like, get the party going. People would be drinking. It'd be great. Um, So I, I DM'd him. And probably a day or two later, he DMs me back. And it's like, hey, sorry, I'm going to be in Florida. Like, I'm not going to be around. So he's been big leaguing me since literally day one, which is great. <laughs> So I'm like, shit, man, this is the one thing that my wife wanted. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and I only met him about one time before that. So I felt like a huge, like, fan nerd just kind of being like, dude, come play at my wedding, man. Like, I don't even know this guy yet. Um, the year went by. Like, we started talking a little more. And then, you know, I thought he was super busy, but I just asked him one more time, probably like two months before the wedding. I'm like, dude, I know you're out of town. If something changes, let me know. And I don't know if it's because I have more big league time now or if, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a minor league guy, but instantly messaged me back like, hey, the trip to Florida got canceled, man. Like, I'm in Nashville. Like, let's do it. 
So I'll I'll forever hold that over his head. Like that was the day. That was the day I was cool enough to, to have uh, a wedding. When he um, responded, did he also ask you to suit up for the dollies at the same time? So I mean, I have a bunch of stuff. I almost went to I almost went to uh, Iowa with y'all. I know for the dreams. We and, were trying. Uh, I think it was during my bachelor party, or I had something for my wedding, and I was like, dude, I cannot miss that. But dude, I've always I wanted to go to Iowa. So that's something I'm super jealous about. Yeah, well, you didn't miss out on this trip to Iowa. I mean, we we love going to Field of Dreams, and actually, a friend of the podcast, Brett Spears, organizes that whole whole thing. But it was like forty degrees, and something like the wind was like fifty miles an hour. It was it was yeah. brutal. It would have been hilarious if you happened to go to that that trip. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I mean, you know, that's a movie like you watched growing up. So I was. I was honestly jealous that y'all were playing there and he was sending me videos nonstop. So um, that must've been pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, Iowa, when was that October? You guys went in November? Yeah. Yeah. In October. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, And so speaking of Iowa, this is going to be a, a big leap. Um, Big 10, you know, I went to university of Illinois, you went to Maryland. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? You were all American, right? Did you like to just tell me about your Maryland college baseball experience? Yeah, so I went to Maryland. Maryland as well, or where, where are you from? Let me back up. Tell me, tell me where you're from, and then let me know about your college baseball experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm from upstate New York. Um, my dad played college basketball, had a bunch of injuries. Um, went to was going to go to Binghamton, ended up ended up going to in a small school in Vermont. Um, but I just grew up in like an athletic family. My mom was like a cheerleader. She'll I'd say that she wasn't an athlete, but she'll say that she was. Um, my dad was a basketball player. So just growing up, like every sport imaginable, whatever my, my parents could get me in and throw me in to get some energy out, whether it was soccer, basketball, baseball, um, played football until high school. Um, golf was probably my best sport. I was like really good when I was younger. My dad loved golf. Um, so I played everything all the way up until high school. Then I just kind of focused on, you know, golf, baseball, and basketball in high school. Um, played basketball until my senior year until – um, I committed to Maryland and I didn't really want to get hurt. I was going to mm -hmm. be, you know, on campus in a couple months. So took my last year off and then just played baseball from there on out. Um, I wasn't really a huge recruit. I mean, I was always athletic, like always a good player, but I mean, in upstate New York, it's not like you're from Georgia or Florida or Cali where you can play year round and you can play against the best in the country. You know, we, we were playing against good teams, maybe two or three, two or three times a year when we go to good, mm -hmm. you know, good tournaments. So, um, Ended up getting a scholarship to go to Maryland. Went there as like their fifth shortstop. Um, worked my way in the fall, into the spring, won the starting job, and then just the rest was history. So um, went to Maryland with John Chef. It was the year – I actually got there the year they moved to the Big Ten. So I was recruited in the ACC. Wow. My whole class was, was recruited in the ACC. Then my – what was it? I want to say like the, the middle of my senior year, they announced they're moving to the big 10 the next year. So that was kind of a big thing for everyone in my class. We had a, like a pretty good ACC class. John Chef was a great recruiter. Um, and, you know, we thought maybe we would lose a lot of guys, not myself because I wasn't at the top of that class, but a lot of other guys we thought maybe would leave to go to other ACC schools. You know, they, they committed to play in the ACC. We didn't really know what would happen. Um, but right from the jump, man, we had a little group chat going and everybody stayed and it was kind of yeah. cool. Um, so we ended up going into the big 10, my freshman year with pretty much like an ACC team. Yeah. And, uh, ended up going and baseball is a little different than ACC baseball, isn't it? Right. Right. 
But I mean, at the same time, like Eric Backage was at Maryland and just went to Michigan probably two or three years ago. So like Michigan was coming up. Um, Illinois was really good. You know, they had um, a bunch of guys that ended up getting drafted that year. Um, and so like that landscape, I feel like those two years like really changed Big Ten baseball because we yeah. came in as a CC team. We had a few other teams. I think we had like three or four teams make it into the regionals that year with Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, Maryland, Ohio State was good. Uh, Schwarber just came from Indiana. So like, you know, Big Ten baseball has really taken that leap um, and just had a really good three years there, you know, um, playing the Big Ten, playing for John Sheff. Um, Vaughn was there who just went to Alabama. Swope was one of our coaches who's now the head coach at Maryland. So since I was there, a lot of movement moving around, but, you know, they've been to, I think, two or three regionals. They, they've been to um, the Big Ten tournament. They won the Big Ten tournament for two years in a row. Um, so it's really cool to kind of see those guys develop. Yeah. So have, have you been watching any of the College World Series this year? Have you had any time to? Yeah, man, it's been crazy. I mean, yeah. like Wake Wake Forest and, and LSU are crazy teams. Yeah. I mean, the talent that's on those teams, the pitching staff that's on those yeah. teams, like how college baseball is evolving and how good guys are getting so young um, is really incredible right now. Yeah. And, and are you seeing a lot of those, those guys? I mean, they're, they're making it to the pros. I mean, how does that, how does that transfer or like, what's that, what's that difference like from when you were at Maryland to where it is now? Are you seeing a lot more of those guys that are playing in college, like enter the, enter the MLB pool? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think guys are way better just younger in general, you know, like I feel like every five to 10 years guys are just getting better because they have more resources available to them, whether it's on the internet, you know, a lot of guys are specializing earlier and playing, you know, that when, once you become like a big prospect nowadays, it's like, that's all you do, you know? Yeah. So it's a little different than what, you know, we were sophomores and juniors in high school, still just kind of messing around and having fun. Um, but you see these big time guys just diving into it so early that, by the time they're in college, like they're on weight training programs, they're doing nutrition stuff. They know how to sleep and recover. Like it's, it's got in now. So it's kind of cool to see just how, how guys are, are buying into it and, and how good guys can get. And it's obviously going to be better, you know, every yeah. five to 10 years, it's going to keep, keep getting better. But so I mean, some of those back to the college world series are, you know, steps above what yeah. you know, the best players were when I was playing. Yeah. And, and a kind of the age old debate, like thinking about, you know, your experience in high school and now, players really specializing and diving into uh, becoming experts at their position. What, what do you think about the multiple sport in high school debate? Like, do you think that's good or, I mean, or do you think we should just focus on, you know, your one, your one position? Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, for me, high school was just so fun because you did yeah. play others, you know, like if you, you know, once you leave high school, you know, if you're really good, maybe in college, you can be a two way. And if you're, you know, the one guy that can do it at the pro level, you'll be Otani and play, you know, yeah. both sides of the ball. But other than that, once you leave high school, man, like you're playing that sport until you pass it on and you go do something yeah. else. You know? So yeah. like the earlier that you specialize in it, you know, you might burn out. I, I just think, I just think you really don't have to, like, if you, if you're a guy who, you know, like some pitchers just can only pitch, you know, and they don't, yeah. they don't play sports and like, I don't think that's a bad thing if you're if that's what you want to do and you're like dedicated to that like just playing other sports to play other sports I don't think is going to help you but if you have like a really good athlete in a high school like there's nothing better than playing being like a three sport dominant athlete yeah. in high school yeah playing every sport with your buddies and, and having fun you know so I feel like if you're one of those guys and guys are telling you that you can't do that or that you shouldn't do that just for something else I feel like that's not the right way to go about it but 
I also don't think, you know, I have a lot of guys that just play baseball all the way through high school and are in the big leagues now, you know, so I don't think, I don't think there's one way to go about it, but I think if you can play other sports and you're happy playing other sports, I think you should do it, you know, as long as you can. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, a lot of the audience of this podcast aren't playing professional baseball and aren't, didn't play baseball at a high level. And I was actually just on the, the Bruce Bolt podcast and speaking with the founder of Bruce Bolt, Bear, and he got burnt out of baseball, like super young. And mm-hmm. so he's like, I, I vowed to never play baseball again. So I also think for people that aren't going to play at a high level, which is the majority of us, like imagine just special, like a lot of people, there are road ends because they just focused on baseball. Uh, you know, yeah. and I was telling you before we started recording, you know, I played music, I played tennis, I ran, like I probably did too much shit to be honest. But I think most of us, if you want like a well-rounded life and you want to like experience a lot of things, I think the more you do, the better or whatever you want to do is is fun, you know, and and I'm just in my baseball story. Thankfully, I never got burnt out like I loved baseball growing up and it was just a decision to either focus on music or focus more on baseball. And I just didn't have the time. And then I was able to come back to it. Um, You know, I always watched it, played a lot of fantasy baseball. And then when I found Sandlot uh, around 2019, I was like, oh, shit, this is, is this my calling? <laughs> like, am I going to be a Sandlot, Sandlot all-star for the rest of my life? Maybe. I might be. <laughs> Maybe. Dude, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like baseball is a hard sport for a young kid to only to only play that sport year-round. You know, like, it's such a brutal sport as far as, like, the slumps you go through, like, the mental side of it. Yeah. When you're a kid, like, it's not really that entertaining, you know, if you're just standing out in right field for seven months out of a year, like, I'm not yeah. really sure what you're going to have that, so. It'd be really you know, frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, for me, like, I only, we would only be able to play from, you know, April until probably September, and then it was too cold anyway, you know, which I feel like was a perfect amount, because it, it had a long enough season where if you, like, really wanted to play, you could get enough games in to kind of get better, but at the same time, I love the winter because it kind of shut you down and you really couldn't play. So you had to go do other stuff. And I feel like as a kid, that kind of that kind of helps you get back into the season and not be burned out and be mm-hmm. like excited to play again versus, you know, if you're 11 or 12 years old and you're doing the same thing every single day, no matter what it is, whether you're going to a water park or whether you're playing baseball, I feel like you're going to you're going to kind of, you know, look look away from that sport and kind of get almost just bored with it really yeah. early, on, especially, you know, if you're not the best player on the team, you know, where you have, you're working hard all the time or you're just trying to compete out there. Um, so I feel like it could be good to kind of get away from the game. And I know a lot of guys, I mean, a majority of my friends are the same way where um, they didn't play year round and now they're in the big leagues and they're doing well. And, you know, they're like, thank God I didn't do this when I was nine years old like, every day, because I don't think I, I don't think I would be even close to baseball right now. Totally. And so, I mean, Clearly, I mean, the thing that we're not naming is that like baseball is supposed to be fun, like sports are supposed to be fun. Obviously, it's different when you're you're really talented and and you can compete at an incredibly high level. But tell me a little bit about like the moments of fun, like as a major leaguer. I mean, you got to being a major league baseball player because clearly you liked baseball. And it sounds yeah. like your your environment, your family. I mean, what I'm sensing is that you're from an athletic family, but it seems that like your family like really supported you to go pursue sports because you're good and you had fun doing that. So tell me about those, like those moments uh, being a professional athlete that are fun and that remind you like, Oh, I love this game. Yeah. I mean, I'm like a super competitive kid. So even just growing up, man, like I would be throwing, I'd be throwing PS4 controllers around and probably 
PS2 controllers, I guess. So yeah, like, PS2 definitely. And I got videos of like my dad beating me in Madden, and I'd be pissed for a week. You know, like I. So I was just always that kid growing up, and thankfully my dad, like I said, my dad played college basketball. Uh, my mom was a cheerleader, so luckily they just kind of had that competitive nature in them as well, and they just saw it as a good thing and not a bad thing. Um, and I think early on they just saw how competitive I was. And, you know, I, I, I truly think if I wasn't good at baseball, I wouldn't have played it. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I liked it early on because my dad played a lot with me. I played a lot, you know, in the backyard um, and I got good at it. And I liked that I could win something, you know. Um, and like early on, that was golf for me, man. Like when I was four years old, um, I won the New York State six and under championship. So I was playing with guys like two years old than me. Yeah. I won the States, ended up going to Jekyll at Island. Four year, at four years old. At four years old, yeah. I mean, I got videos. My, I would just kind of stand there. My dad would tell me left or right. He'd aid me, and I would just swing, you know. And so, I mean, I remember I was like two or three years old going out front and, and swinging golf clubs and hitting balls and stuff. So um, I really thought I was – I think my dad thought I was going to be a golfer, and I think he was excited about it. And looking back, I was really excited about that if I could have been a pro golfer and hanging out with, with Rory and those guys right now. Um, but when I went down to, to Georgia for nationals – I end up losing to Cheyenne Woods, who is Tiger Woods' niece. No and my dad tried all the way home and since then just didn't didn't want anything to do with golf. You know, when you're four and you lose to a girl, like your life is over. You know, like <laughs> you can't play that sport anymore. So um I kind of got away from the game for a while and focused on, you know, basketball and baseball were just more fun to me. They were cool. Mm-hmm. I could like see myself beating people versus on the golf course, you're just kind of playing by yourself. So um got away from it. I'm back into golf now, but I think just that competitive nature, I think my parents saw it in me and I was just lucky enough that they, you know, just gave me every opportunity to play, whether it was travel ball, um, high school. And we were just really good. Like I said, when I was younger, man, we won the state tournament in in baseball when I was nine and 10. We had a really good team. We had a really intense coach who was like a family friend. And my life just kind of evolved around baseball. Like all my friends played in the neighborhood. It was wiffle ball nonstop every day when we got home till we had to shut off the lights because the neighbors had to sleep. So, you know, I think just I think those early memories of like winning tournaments, winning states, having parties in the backyard, playing like sandlot ball in the backyard, um, really got me into baseball. And and my whole friend group really played up until we left in high school. So um it was always just kind of a staple for me growing up. And I think, you know, that's what kind of propelled me was just the love of the game and how many good memories I had. Um, when I was younger and then obviously in college, when in, uh, when in regionals in college was like probably aside from, you know, debuting, probably that was probably like my, my best moment in baseball, just because we went to UCLA. We weren't even supposed to make it in the regionals. We got into UCLA, which was the number one overall seed went out there and ended up beating them and losing to Virginia before we go to the college world series. But just going to going to college my first year being on the start and then going to regionals and winning that um that really fueled my desire of like okay this is like the biggest stage I could be on right now and we're we're doing well and we're playing well like maybe there's something here so you know I just bring that all back to being super competitive and being able to win in baseball kind of drew me more and more and wanted me to get better and better um and just having so many friends and so many relationships in the game like I could really never leave it yeah. So speaking of your like those friends growing up that won that state tournament um, and that you grew up playing high school ball with, of those friends that you played with, are you still close with any of them? Like, is that still a tight knit group? Did any did any of your friends go on to play professional baseball or baseball at the next level? 
yeah, I mean, I mean that group of like when we won in little league, I mean, probably like four of my five closest friends are still in that group, you know, and, and we grew up, we, we grew up in the same neighborhood, probably three of us, another guy would always drive over. I mean, we were together like nonstop. So we're, we still talk today. Like whenever I go home, we hang out, like those are some of my closest friends. Um, you know, the guys that I met before high school are probably some of my, some of my closest friends other than, you know, my college roommates and then some of my roommates in pro ball. But, um, I was just lucky that I met them really early on and we, you know, would, like I said, play wiffle ball, tag, basketball, whatever it was, you know, we were just always hating each other because we'd be, we'd beat someone one night and then the next night, you know, we just wanted to bury them. So that was kind of my life growing up and, and they were super competitive too, um, but I think that, you know, that happens in like any field, I feel like, like yeah. if you're, you're doing, you're playing guitar and you, you find somebody that you like and, you know, that's, that's your guy, you know, you're going to grow up and you're going to write good songs together. Like that's just kind of how it happens. So I was just fortunate enough that it happened in baseball or something where we were all kind of good at it. Um, nobody else on that team went, no one else on that team went pro. A lot of guys go play different, even different sports in college and, um, not make it to the professional level, but, you know, being really successful in life and whatever other, you know, yeah. industry right now. So um, it's kind of cool though to kind of see how it evolved and looking back at, you know, what we were like when we were nine and, and kind of seeing yeah. how it all transpired. That's awesome. All right. So I'm going to pivot to some more Sandlot centric uh, okay. questions and discussion considering on the Sandlot Revolution podcast. So the Dallies are a Sandlot baseball club and, Sandlot is like kind of a hard thing to describe, but what I would, I would describe it as kind of like a subreddit, you know, obviously baseball has a, like a really strong culture writ large, um, whether that be people that follow professional baseball, college baseball, you know, little league, but within all of that kind of uh, paradigm of baseball, there's this subculture called Sandlot and it kind of started, I mean, everyone's, you know, Sandlot is, wasn't created in Austin, but it kind of was. So this podcast is based in out of Austin, Texas, and and someone, uh, you know, Jack Sanders from the Texas Playboys, you know, basically built a, his own field of dreams in in Austin called the Long Time. It's uh like on his farm essentially. It's like two, like maybe two hundred feet to left field. If you if you it's like a 30, 30 foot high fence, you hit it you hit it over the fence. Uh, you got to swing from your unnatural side. If you hit a lefty bomb, then they bring out like a fifty ounce bat. So that's just wow. like, again, I can't like, I can't describe it Sandlot to you, but I can describe the funny elements of it to kind of give you a sense of it. So, and the skill level is everyone from, you know, like me, I didn't like really play high school baseball to, you know, we have some guys that played AAA. We have some guys that played uh, collegiately, but it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's about just like having a good time uh, essentially. And so it's less about the skill. So Granted, I just did a shit job describing what Sandlot is. Have you experienced any like Sandlot moments uh, in the bigs? Man, I mean, yeah, I, I just picture Sandlot. I picture Sandlot like a lot of Jordan Walkers just hanging around and, and talking to it and having fun. You know? That's but it. He'll send me some videos, man. He'll send me videos of, of kind of your games or some funniest things that happen, which is which is always like the highlight of my day. Um, and he's commentating them. So that's always great. Um <laughs> Man, I mean, Sandlot moments. I mean, in the big leagues, like all the Sandlot moments you want to forget about, I feel like, because it usually means it usually means something went really, really wrong on the yeah. field. Um, <laughs> but sometimes, like, sometimes it's, it's honestly nice for us to see. We're like, oh, yeah, these 
we're all oh. human every single one of us is is human and you can yeah. like i mean in particular i i like my, my throwing accuracy is subpar um sometimes i'm good but sometimes i'll, I'll be catching and i'll just throw the ball into right field like just don't yeah. know how it ended up there but it ended up over there yeah no yeah so you you really like the play the other day where javi bias threw it like 18 rows deep when he was trying to throw it yeah go i did look, not see that it's awesome, man. I don't know. He might have, I don't know what the play was. I just saw it the other day, but he was that short and just absolutely launched into the net. And it's like, it's funny though, when you're, when you're not playing in the big leagues every day, like you don't see any of that stuff. Like you might see it on like not top 10 or now with social media, I guess, like if they're absolutely ragging on a player, you'll see it. But like, man, stuff happens every day in the big leagues where you're like, how did that, how did that play just happen? You know, and you never hear about it. Cause you, you just hear, you just see Shohei hitting a homer and striking 10 out every night. And yeah. you know, it is, but um, that's definitely see, a thing. You see the that. Garrett Cole, you see Garrett Cole last night. Yeah. Yeah. That's epic. Yeah. I yeah. haven't looked up. I haven't seen it. I, apparently the other manager was giving him the finger wiggle before that for some reason. Oh yeah. Um, he it back, but yeah, no, just just stuff like that when it happened. Like, there's a, a million plays that have happened in the big leagues while I've been there where you, if it happened in rookie ball or if it happened in college, you're like, what just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And it still happens in the big leagues. You know, that's like one of the biggest – that's like one of the biggest things when you get there and you play every day is that you realize, like, the media is really, really good at their job and really, really good at making everyone seem like they're really, really good. And then you see moments and you're like, that has to be the first time that's happened ever. Cause I've never seen it happen on a big league field. Right. But I mean, I mean, there's some cool moments. Like I was in Toronto when Maggie hit his 500th homer. Mm-hmm. Like that was super cool. Um, moments like that are the best. Like just, he hit it on the road in Toronto and everyone's giving him a standing O and the game kind of stops. Like those moments are really cool to kind of be a part of. Obviously any walk off is cool. Like yeah. whenever you have like a 37 year old dude hit a walk off and he's running around the bases, like, like his little kid, you know, yeah. and that's what being fun i feel like that's what, what it's about um but you get so caught up sometimes and trying to perform and stay here and, and be this player be that player making sure you're doing everything right that when those moments happen and it's just like everyone's going crazy and it's happy and it's, it's, it's exciting similar to probably when stuff happens in the sandlot field like those totally. are the moments that, that you really remember so i mean i can't think of any off the top of my head because i try to i try to eliminate those moments as quick <laughs> make it filtered out real quick yeah, like when guys are forgetting how many outs there are on the oh. bases or, you know, we got pitchers coming in and they don't know how many outs there are or they feel the wrong, like all that stuff, man. It still happens in the big leagues. And when it does for a second, you got to act like it's a bad thing because you don't want it to happen. But then when you go back in the clubhouse, everyone's laughing about it. It's a good time. <laughs> um, Tell me a, bit, a little bit about like uh, your clubhouse. Like have there been any clubhouses that you've um, or any years, any teams, you know, going back that like, – that you've like really resonated with or have just the vibes have been great. Um, and just, yeah. I mean, I've been super lucky where it's almost every team that I've been on has been like a really good clubhouse, you know, like the Jays, I, I got drafted by the Jays in 17 and I really played with like the same core group of 11 or 12 players until I made it to the big league. So from like rookie ball to high A to double A to triple A, you'll get, we probably had the same 10 to 15 guys. And then obviously other guys are going in and out, depending on the year guys get traded, guys get hurt. Um, but 
you know, the good orgs that, that get good guys in there and have good clubhouses are usually, you know, the top orgs that win a lot. You know, it's just like high school where if your guys are, if you guys are all like best friends and you guys are hanging out, I mean, you're hanging out for 10 hours a day, you know, you're at the field from like one to sometimes midnight every day. So, you know, when you, when you're excited to go there and you're, you're all friends and you guys are all getting along and, and having fun, those are usually the winning teams. And so I was just lucky that I was with the Jays when our Miley system was really, really good. Yeah. We had a lot of players, um, a lot of good players above us with, you know, Platy and Bo and, you know, I was with Nate Pearson, Colin, you know, Colin Large, Zach Logue, um, Logan Warmoth, like a lot of good guys that were in there. And, and if you're good in the minor leagues, you're going to play with those guys for a while because you're just yeah. going to every year you're going to kind of move up together, you know. So for five or six years, I kind of hang out with the same group and it was awesome. Obviously, getting to the big leagues with the Jays, like they were really young and fun. So that was a great group. Um, and now with the with the A's, like our triple A's in Vegas. So you can't not have a good group when you're in yeah. Vegas. Like everyone's just having fun. Um, and that's a great group of guys. And obviously up here, you know, we're really young as well. So, you know, everyone's kind of hanging out together. Everyone's trying to figure it out together. So um, I've just been lucky. I've heard horror stories about other clubhouses. But as far as like my experience with a lot of guys, like it's been it's been probably beyond what I was expecting. Yeah. And and we were talking before I started recording kind of about, you know, what it's like to, to be in a clubhouse, you know, whether that be people of different cultures, you know, literally like Latin players and now, you know, people from from Asia, you know, different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds, different political beliefs. Like uh, I really value that that kind of uh, being on a team. Uh, as a dolly, which is a really strange experience to have, you know, as a 32 year old dude, uh, right. that's not, you know, it's just like, we don't represent anything, you know, we, we don't represent the city of Nashville. We definitely do not represent Dolly Parton. I, w I wish, I wish <laughs> definitely. we're trying, we're trying, but we try to like, kind of, you know, kind of espouse her values. So there's something I really value. And we were talking about the value of like being a teammate, being on a team and how uh, lucky we are to, to be on a team what's that like for you? Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the best things about, you know, baseball is, I mean, right from when I got drafted, I got drafted at in 2017. I was, I think I was 20 years old. I couldn't even drink yet. And I was in a clubhouse and I show up, you know, to Bluefield for rookie ball. We have a, our first game is in two days and we're out there doing defense and the entire field is speaking Spanish. You know, I'm the only me and Ryan Noda, I think Ryan Noda might showed up a couple a week later or so. Um, but, you know, we were the only position players that spoke English. So we were like in there trying to learn Spanish. All of our like communication on the field was in Spanish because they're not going to make, you know, eight other 16 year old Dominican guys, you know, try to learn English in a, in a couple of days. So, you know, right off the rip, just like that experience of being in that clubhouse with probably. 70% Latin players and learning about, you know, their culture and how they eat and how, how their families got them here, like their stories of coming over and playing baseball, like all that stuff, like puts a lot of other things in perspective, you know, and it also, it also like shows you a whole different world that was out there. Like the next year I went to the Dominican for 10 days and stayed in like the Blue Jays, like training camp over there and like saw how these kids, you know, when they're 16, they get, they get drafted and they live there for, two or three years and just away from their families and, you know, in these dorm rooms and just playing baseball every day, like seeing all that stuff, um, you know, especially as a young kid, I think helped me a lot just kind of seeing, you know, where all these people come from, like all the different 
you know, backgrounds, you know, whether it was from people from Mexico, whether, you know, they're from Asia now playing with Fuji and learning about like the Japanese culture and how that whole system works over there with, you know, getting, you know, picked up and how, you know, you have to get drafted off the team that you're playing for out there. And there's a bunch of different stuff involved with that. So just kind of learning all that stuff. And, and like you said, dealing with all these different people from all different backgrounds, um, it kind of keeps it fresh and new and exciting. You know, yeah, you're playing baseball and you're on a different team, but you're also trying to learn different languages and you're trying to, you know, realize what's, what's like, what, what are customs like in the Dominican? Like, how do I approach this guy? Like is yeah. sarcasm thing there? Is sarcasm not a thing there? Like in, like in, in Japan, a lot, like there's not much sarcasm, you know, like mm-hmm. there, you can't joke around with guys like that until they understand their translators are telling them like, no, it's just a joke, you know? And then, <laughs> but it's really cool to kind of see them, you know, like Fuji now this, you know, messing around with everybody. And he's one of the biggest, you know, yeah. jokes or something. Um, but like in Japanese culture, that's just not a thing, you know? Yeah. So like if you go over and, you know, I know a lot of guys that have went to Japan and played over there and the same thing, like they're, they're trying to crack jokes in the clubhouse and everyone's staring at them. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, but then a couple months in, like everyone's laughing and having a good time and, and talking shit to each other. So just stuff like that, where I feel like it mimics the real world of, of having a new job or going into a new office where you got to kind of learn what everyone's about, you know, the vibes, like when you're playing baseball, like, you know, I know we talked about, but getting traded over from the Blue Jays, like one day you're in Florida with a whole different group and then you fly across the country and you got to, you know, meet 60 guys who are all competing for 25 spots on a team and somehow deal with them, you know? So those are the moments that are cool. And and when you're going through them, they can be overwhelming, but I feel like it teaches you a lot, just like, you know, baseball. Totally. Well, uh, you just, you just mentioned getting traded. So, um, tell me about that Matt Chapman trade. You were, you were part of that or some other pieces. Um, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So the, the year before that, I, I made my debut. I was up there for, I don't know, a couple of weeks with the Jays while we were trying to make it run in the playoffs. Came one game short. Um, went into the offseason, kind of hoping to to try to be like the last man on the infield. I mean, our, we were stacked over there. We had, you know, Espinal, we had Biggio, we had Bichette, we had Vladdy, um, you know, so showing up to camp. That was also after covid that was like the first year that covid was kind of going away so this yeah. was last year spring training um we started a little late i think spring training was only three weeks long so we showed up to florida the, the cba was still kind of getting hammered out right All right yeah so covid was like kind of over with we were going to show up a little late because of covid still just because a lot of the like, players in other countries couldn't get in in time yeah. um then we had the cba so the cba delayed us i think another week that finally got hammered out and so we couldn't really go down early because the CBA was going on. Um, they were trying to figure out the COVID stuff. So then the CBA got done, I think, on – I don't even know what day it was. Say it got done on a Monday. They wanted us in camp on, like, Thursday or Wednesday wow. or Thursday. So um, we didn't even know it was going to be a deal. I think the deal got done at, like, 6 p.m. that night. And at, like, 8 p.m. we had all of our information. And, like, I was leaving, like, two days to go yeah, down. They, yeah, that was a crazy time because people, you know, there was all this wondering, you know, if there, there was even going to be a baseball season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we didn't really even know either. I mean, I know a lot of my friends were, like, I think even Jordan was, like, asking me what was going on. And, I mean, we know the negotiation behind the scenes, but we don't know when it's going to be accepted or what's going to happen. Yeah. So. You know, we were obviously everyone was ready to go play. It was getting late. We kind of knew we were going to play that year at some point. So everyone was ready. But um, to just kind of be there and not have a date where you're going to move and actually get into season. And all of a sudden, two hours later, like everything's set and you got to you got to go into, you know, 
couple hours. You had to get a flight like the next day down to Florida because you got to get, you know, make sure your COVID's all good. You still had to like quarantine, I think, for a day. Had to make sure you had all like your vaccines and, and make sure you get your physicals done and everything. Like there's a lot that goes on before spring training to make sure everyone's ready, you know. Um, so all that was going on. We finally get into camp. We probably have, I think, three days until games start. So we had three practice days and then game started. I think we had, you know, 20 some one games and then the season started, you know. So it was already going to be a quick turnaround. Um, and then I think the second day I showed up to the field, got ready, stretches like in an hour. So I was lifting or whatever, go back in the clubhouse and it comes up on LB Network like Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman traded to the Blue Jays. So everyone, like it was a talk of the whole place, you know, it kind of time kind of slowed down because everyone's like, all right, who is it going to be? You know, like you, you had all these plans to get ready for the day. And all of a sudden yeah. the only thing that matter was figuring out like who's going to figure out first who's going, you know. Um, but we knew he was coming over to play third. So and we knew that the A's would have would need some way to replace, you know, him in the third base level. So we knew that it was going to be like probably three or four of us. At least, you know, one of the three or four of us infielders, whether it was like me, Vigio, FB, a couple of younger guys like Groshans, we knew somebody was going to go over. Um, so then it was just like 45 minutes trying to figure out who it was going to be, you know. And you're, just, you're just sitting there in a the locker room with MLB Networks on and everyone's just watching the TV, like laughing, like joking, laughing, like who's going. Um, it was kind of a surreal experience. Like my yeah. phone was going up, everyone was asking if it was me. And I had never been traded, so I didn't really know how it all worked yeah. um i just remember like telling my parents like i think i would know by now if it was me you know like i don't think it, i don't think it was me so it goes on and then it's getting closer to stretch time i think you know say we stretch at nine it's like 8 30 and no one's heard anything like 8 45 no one's heard anything we're like all right i guess i guess we'll like figure out later um and then we walk out to stretch and before the day even started, I got called in the GM's office. So I got called back in. And once, once you get called in, you're like, all right, you know, what's going on, you know, especially guys that have been around before and have seen trades. Like, so I get called in, I'm like, damn, it's going to be, it's going to be me. And um, I walk in and like two of my really close friends, Zach Logue, Zach Logue and um, Kirby Sneed actually got traded with me, which was really, which was yeah. really awesome. I was actually rooming with Zach Logue who also got traded and I was rooming with him in spring training. So our wives are like really good friends as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but I I'm walking down the hall and I'm like, I mean, a million thoughts of men are going through my head. I see Kirby walk out of the room and he's like, dude, I just got traded to the A's. And I was like, well, I'm next. I think I'm coming with you, man. So I, I walk in, get traded. And it's just, it's a weird experience. Like I don't yeah. think a lot of guys talk about it, but I mean, you just like, you know, you, you worked with that group of guys and that ownership for six years and you walk in and it's just like, Hey, you've been traded. Like we wish you nothing but the best and you're out of there. And, and five minutes later, I was had all my stuff packed, like heading to Oakland. So Dude, that's um, yeah, I mean, it sounds, I mean, well, you had so many fond memories and like you grew up with these guys. I mean, as you talked about earlier, so that that's probably, I mean, it's a loss, you know, no matter what. And people just think it's, it's a business. So, you know, you're getting paid a bunch of money. Like it's just part of the game, but like, especially if you grew up with those guys and you were tight knit, like that's definitely kind of, I imagine that's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, you know, going in there, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to lose all. I mean, I was really close with, you know, five, three, four, five guys in my wedding yeah. or from Jay's organization, you know? Wow. So we got really close. Like I said, we were lucky enough where we all, you know, did well enough to kind of move up together and play together. Um, 
but I walk out of that room and Zach Logue's like there waiting to walk in. And, you know, no one knew what the package was going to be like. Yeah. So I walked out to see him and I'm like, dude, I just got traded. And he said the same thing. So I was like, the Sneed in that situation, he's like, dude, I'm next. I think I'm coming too. So to have him come was awesome. He gets silver lining. Is yeah. he still is he still with the A's? No, he's with the Tigers now. Um, okay. Toledo. Um, but yeah, like at least having those guys and coming over here made it a little easier. Um, but yeah, man, it's just like getting, you know, getting traded is less about you just kind of pick up and moving. I mean, the next day I was in Arizona across the country in a different camp, you know, but the other thing that guys don't see is like my wife, like our wives were in Florida. They had to pack up and move. We oh, had dogs in Florida. You know, we had rentals everywhere. Like it was just a mess. So, you know, guys and guys get traded all the time. It happens yeah. like, you know, you only hear about, you only hear about like the big move trades on, on sports center where they might like glance over like, Oh, this guy just got traded or whatever it is. But you know, a lot more goes into it behind the scenes that you don't no. really know all the stuff you had to had to change. So last year was like super whirlwind. I mean, it wasn't until like July or August last year that I was actually realizing what happened and, and getting settled back in, you know, even even now, like a year, it's only been like a year later. Um, it's still just wild to think, you know, how quickly it can change. And, and some guys it happens like two or three times a year, you know, and that's, you know, that's just when you learn about the business of it and, um, you know, the best players like somehow make it work and, yeah. and makes for good stories. You know, those are kind it's of so like easy for, yeah, it's so easy for us as consumers of professional baseball to like not to just view everyone kind of as a number or as, or as a performer and not think like, how could that like life disruption not affect the outcome uh, of like when you're playing? You know, right. shit. I, if I'm just like hungover or maybe my girlfriend and I got in a little, little tip yeah. on Sunday, Sunday at noon, you know, on the sandlot, like I'm, I might go over six, <laughs> you know, who knows? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I kind of, it's hard to kind of explain. And obviously like we're so fortunate to live a life that we do, but like even just my dad, like I would try to describe it to my dad and I'm like, just, he's a, he's a business teacher in a high school in upstate New York. And I'm like, just imagine if tomorrow you had to pick up and go to Texas and you were like, a math teacher all of yeah. a sudden like brand new people you know yeah. like how how that would disrupt your life and like that's that's the thing like when when i was younger even just like when my favorite players got traded or or if the yankees you know picked up some big free agent you know it always took months or years until they started playing good like you see it yeah. with all these big guys like and on sports center it's always about like oh well you know, he signed this big contract so now it's going to take a few years because the pressure is like crazy, you know, but it's like, it's not really trying to play up to the contract. It's just like everything about your life just changed, you know, like your routine, everything, how you feel showing up to the park, like who you deal with on a day-to-day basis, who you're working with before the game, like yeah. all that stuff just changed in one day and you're going over there and obviously you want to play well, like you want to prove that team, right? Like so many things are going on that, you don't really see until it happens to you. But now, you know, now when it happens to different guys, I'm just like, Oh man, I wonder how this is going to affect like the next, you know, two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such an interesting point that we just definitely don't think about. All right. Well, dude, I've got like one last question, one last subject to, to like really think about and just talk about because, you know, the way I view like the reason why Sandlot has kind of become a, a whole subculture and a pre pretty uh, important one in my life and an important one in a lot of people's lives is that it's not necessarily that like professional baseball let us down or anything like that, but it's kind of like people wanting to connect more with the game of baseball. And, 
And I'm personally really bullish on the 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 future of of baseball writ large, professional baseball. I see like obviously I'm in it, and you know the Dallas have somewhat of a social media in, like footprint. So I see just I see a lot of baseball happening. So I think like baseball is in this good place. I think a lot of young people are loving it. I think social media has actually allowed like a lot of viral moments in base like to to you know viral moments that happen on the field. I just see plastered everywhere. I see a lot of likes, a lot of uh, comments. So I think the future of baseball is bright. I think like younger people are getting more engaged. Um, I'm just curious, like, what do you think about the future of baseball? You know, we had all these rule changes, you know, obviously there has been like a lot of hand wringing about how do we save the game? But I think we're in good, I think we're in good hands. Uh, what do you think? Like, what are, what are, like, what are the things that, 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 signal to you that we're in good shape or or what are just yeah i mean just i guess if you could just speak more broadly about what you think baseball's like in 2023 and beyond yeah i mean i think i think it's challenging i think you know you have this game that really hadn't changed in a hundred years and you know, people loved it and you know, now we're getting to this point of like TikTok and super short clips and like it just kind of whether you agree with it or not, it just kind of is what it is where it is. everyone everything's becoming like the five second viral clip. Like social media is a huge thing. Like all kids are just all they're on is YouTube, YouTube, yeah. real TikTok. Like that's just the culture, like call a spade a spade. Like that's just kind of what it is. And obviously you know. kind of like the elephant in the room that I didn't talk about is obviously like the Savannah bananas. Like, like that yeah. is actually like a huge thing. Like I will just mention the dollars to someone that knows nothing about baseball does never watch a professional game. They're like, Oh, do you know the Savannah bananas? Like right, I think yeah. that is clearly the like manifestation of the five second TikTok thing. Um, For sure. Yeah. yeah. Like the, you know, they, they, they actually went to Las Vegas and they sold out three games in back to back. Days, I mean, you know they're, they're so, honestly the hardest ticket in sports because because yeah. they don't let it end up on thir- on like secondary markets even though they do they really control their ticketing it's fucking hard to get a savannah bananas ticket yeah i mean they they just went to vegas and so i was talking to to our clubby who was there and pretty much ran the whole show behind the scenes for them and he had a lot of time with their manager i mean they, he said they have like almost half a million people waiting for season tickets nuts for- in Georgia, you know, and like stuff like that is cool to see. Like, I mean, I know there's baseball like Max, like Maxies that just love how the how the game was and it should always be how it was in 1940, you know, and like yeah. you could definitely do that. And I think, you know, if you're looking from a strictly baseball, like the game aspect of it, where it takes, you know, three and a half, four, four and a half hours to play and everybody and everybody's just about the game of baseball. Like that would definitely be the best. You know, if you want to see players perform the best and you want to see like how much of the game within the game there is, like, yeah, you're not going to change anything about the game because you need that time to like you need that time to work up a big at bat. You need that time for pitchers to come in and you need that time for managers to make really good decisions on, you know, pitching matchups and hitting matchups and see those moments that you saw back in like the two thousands where they'd bring a reliever in, then there'd be a pinch hitter. Then they bring another reliever in, you know, like stuff like that. I think a lot of guys like, but if you're just going off of, you know, the way the culture in America is trending, like stuff like the Savannah banana stuff, like what they're doing with the game, like they're really trying to cater it to the fans, you know? So like they're hearing what the fans are saying, they've made these rule changes, even if it's not the best 
for players. You know, like a lot of these rule changes are not good for players. You can see it with um, pitchers and getting hurt, like the amount of recovery they have between pitches. Like you have guys throwing 100 miles an hour that now have to throw it, run back to the mound, get a pitch, throw it again. You know, like it's it's really affecting how guys recover. It's for effect. It's you know, it's affecting how they can pitch, how long they can pitch. So it's going to, it's going to be interesting, man. Like I don't have a, I don't, and I don't think anybody does in the game of like, this would be best. I mean, you have players who are all about baseball who, and I agree with them where if you keep making these changes to the game, like the game of baseball as a whole is is my alarm, but sorry about that. But yeah, if, if you're just talking about the game of baseball and like the, the mini games that happen in it and seeing players perform the best managers coach the best, like, these rule changes are not the best, not not great for the game, you know. But at the same time, like the game is only played for the fans. Like if yeah. fans aren't home, then no one really cares, you know. So like, if you're looking at it from a fan perspective, like I said, like the culture is moving in a direction where they want games to be faster, they want more entertainment, they want homers, they want people to throw a hundred, you know, they want guys to steal bases, which everything that they're doing is working. You know, there's a lot more action in games. Games are shorter a lot more, like you said, like viral moments, you know? So I feel like it just depends on, on what the fans are going to want at the end of the day. Like baseball is a product at the end of the day, you know, it's entertainment, just like the Savannah bananas, man, it might be a little different, but at the end of the day, like that's what baseball is about is putting people in the seats and having fun and and having fans like it. So it's going to be interesting. Like I'm, I'm really curious to see where it goes from here. And if, if they can keep really good players in the field, like they want to, you know, I mean, at a certain point, if the game is worse off and, yeah. you know, you're not yeah. seeing your favorite pitcher pitch as much and, you know, Mike Trout's hurt more because the game's quicker and people can't recover um, and you're playing, you know, 150 or 162 games in 180 days. Um, will that, will that affect how fans come? I guess we'll, we'll see, you know, do they care more that the game's two hours or do they care more that like, in the ninth inning and the 10th inning and the 11th inning, they get their money's worth in like 30 minutes when it's like really exciting, you know? Yeah. So I think that's going to, that's, what's going to dictate it. And I don't think there's like a right or wrong. I don't think there's like a good or bad. Um, we're going to have to adapt regardless. I mean, look at the last off season and they just, they implemented bigger bases. They implemented, you know, a pickoff rule and they implemented pitching chain or pitch, pitch clock changes all within about two months, you know? So stuff like that for players, it isn't the best because you got to relearn. You got to relearn how to play the game, you know, like all the pickoffs are different now. Stealing bases are different. Um, They can't bring relievers in for one guy. They, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like game within a game that changes with all these rule changes. Um, And I think there's like a lot of different stuff that gets affected that they don't think about. They're just like pit, like pitchers getting injured a lot more, you know, like not as much recovery between pitches. Pitchers are throwing as harder than they've ever thrown. They're throwing, maybe not as many innings, but way more um, like stressful pitches and stressful situations now. So it'll be interesting, man. I think it's moving in the right direction just as far as, you know, what the goal is, you know, the goal is just to get fans involved and put people in seats and make stuff go viral and stuff. So I think if you're looking at that as the goal, we're definitely doing a good job of that. Um, Hopefully we can keep the exciting players in the field and, and make sure that the best players are playing against the best players, but it'll be interesting to see if they keep making changes like that or a few years down the road, if that's not the case, kind of what the direction goes like there, but I guess figure that out when we get there. Well, that was like one of the most nuanced answers that I've heard on the subject of the rule. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm kind of in that, I'm kind of in that demographic where it's, 
all you talk about, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, if your work changed, like you're going to talk about that all the time. Yeah. If they, if they took away my lunch break, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No more lunch breaks. It's going to make our business better. Everyone's up in arms about that. Okay. I've got last, just like a couple rapid fire questions and then I will, uh, uh, leave you be. Um, okay. So these are just random. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason. I just thought of them. So, all right. What's, what's Kevin Smith's last meal on earth? I gotta go like, I gotta go with like a, a filet or ribeye with mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, and broccoli. Like that's gonna, that's gonna be it. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, number one on Spotify wrapped. Drake. That's good. not Jordan Walker. Not, not Luke Combs. No, uh, no. Dream vacation. You can have as much time off whenever you want it. Dream vacation. I haven't been to Hawaii yet. And my wife loves Hawaii. She talks about it every day. So I'm, I'm going to have to say Hawaii, even though I don't know what it's like. So I might not like it, but that's the one spot where I never get, I never really get out there. It's just like a far trip. Yeah. Like in the season, I don't want to travel that much. Um, so that's gotta be like my dream one. Okay. Um, if you weren't playing professional baseball, hell, I'm even going to go one step far further. If you weren't a professional athlete, so I'm taking golf, I'm taking all those sports off the table. If you weren't a professional athlete, what would you be doing? Yeah, that's a smart question because I'm going professional golf for like 100. percent Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Probably, probably like real estate or finance. I went to Maryland for finance. Okay. Um, so I really just like that. But probably real estate or finance would be my my answer. Okay. Oakland A's or Nashville Dollies? You can plead the fifth if you need to. The Dollies get absolutely smoked, so I'm going to go. Oh. I'm gonna go with no, sorry. Let me reframe it. <laughs> Would you rather play for the Oakland A's or the Nashville Dollies? Oh, same, yeah. same salary. Like, same pay. Again I'm, again, I'm super competitive, so I'm going with a team that's going to do the smoking and not get smoked. So I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> honest, with that. Honest answer is the only. I don't know if me and Jordan make it through a season together. I don't think – I don't know if that happens. I think the Dollies just – become non-existent if we go a year hanging yeah out you would be disappointed you would be disappointed <laughs> for sure. um all right last question you're wearing a dad gang hat so yes. you're yes. expecting what are yeah. you excited about for being a father what are you nervous about um yeah oh man that that could be a very long question um what am I most excited about? Dude, I don't know. It's just everyone, all my friends that have kids, like they all say how your life changes immediately when you have one. So I'm excited for that moment of just like yeah. realizing a little more what life is about. Um, and just the perspective, like anything that I can have that's like really significant in my life away from the game is like huge for me, you know? So like having that, having something else that I can worry about and keep track of and put my time into instead of staring at swings or pitchers for hours a night um i'm really excited about but uh no it's gonna be awesome I'm, we're super excited we have a little baby girl doing in uh august so um tay's feeling it right now i'm just kind of yeah. hanging out oh dude you're oh august you're in the you're yeah. in the thick of it dude ah i'm excited so super helpless, man super helpless i'm like a huge prepare obviously just my whole life like i just have to prepare for everything and this i feel like i can't really do much so um, we're just going to have to wing it, but yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. What I'm most nervous about is just everyone saying how I'm not going to sleep for a while. So sleep is huge. Sleep oh is super. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting to see what my stats look like in September, but, uh, we're gonna <laughs> <do it. laughs> well, we, uh, we have some Dolly's onesies, so I will send you a Dolly's onesie for, yeah. for, 
for your daughter. So, um, dude, thank you so much for coming on the Sandlot Revolution podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me, dude. I really appreciate it. Um, this is such a fun conversation. Um, and I hope I get the chance to, to meet you in person sometime soon. It would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'll be in Nashville training, like I said. So we'll we'll link up. And uh, yeah, thanks for Jordan. Thanks for Jordan for hooking us up. Um, somehow, yeah, somehow he hooked me up on this podcast, and now I owe him more stuff. So what? I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to really I'm gonna have to really oh I'm getting him a glove. That's what I'm getting him. I'm, Dude, he has he has like thirty gloves. He. He's a, he said he's a glove guy and he's a glove guy. Jackson, you know he's like dude you gotta come on this podcast it's awesome which i always love doing i always love doing podcasts but i'm like yeah dude whatever you need like i got you and then he, and then you know i was expecting like a thanks and he's like all right sick can you send me a glove you know i need a, and i'm like man I, i'm doing the podcast but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wait for your gloves so yeah i'm, I'm yeah, teasing you're, you're the one doing the favor <laughs> no yeah he's the man i mean i feel like i i feel like i own for life since he didn't big league me for my wedding so um <laughs> you could probably ask me for you know 10 more things i'm gonna have to say yes because if oh. if we're not on good terms today's gonna be pissed yeah. <laughs> well dude um i hope you have a good uh rest of your wednesday hope you get to relax and um yeah dude again really appreciate it um send me an address if you want any dolly stuff i'll send you the uh, link to our website if you want anything just let me know also if you don't that's all. That's all good. I hate when people off, like uh, people always offer me shit. I'm not like a big merch person, to be honest, even though I like yeah. kind of in the merch business. So if there's anything you want, just let me know. I'll, I will send you and hook it up. I will do. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. It was fun. All right, brother. Thank you. See you, man. Have a good one. Um...